0: It's this mind that fabricates and holds on to these stories, these negative stories and doesn't want to let go. I know for me, it was this whole journey last year where I, you know, I had this massive breakup and my mind just concocted this story that I will, I'm broken and I'll never be whole again and I will never find love again. Welcome to The Emotional Compass. This is Bodhi. And Dabiel. I read a lot of Mark Manson's writings. And Mark Manson is the guy that wrote the book, The The Subtle Art of Not Giving a Bleep. Beep! (laughs) uh, You know, it's not... We want to keep this podcast PG-13. And... You know, uh, I feel like a lot of his, basically his writing basically made up that book eventually and which sold millions of copies and he has some interesting ideas. You know, we, we went from like doing untethered soul and talking about such deep spirituality and as you mentioned, like spirituality is simple but it's not easy to grasp. And what I think Mark Manson does is he takes a lot of the greats like, um, Alan Watts and, you know, some of the other great philosophers and he distills their writing into something that's a little more digestible for today's audience. And, uh, You know, I I was reading his writing on happiness and comparing, you know, comparing yourself to others, and that's always an interesting topic, right? Because uh, this is something that I constantly remind myself that there the two ways to easily feel dejected or depressed are if you start comparing yourself to others or you start just thinking of, or obsessing about the future. And he gives this very interesting example. And I love the way he unfolds that story where he starts talking about this guitarist that got kicked out of this band that just got a record deal. And that guitarist was really pissed off and he vowed to himself that he will become the best guitarist and have the most amazing band in the world and so once he got kicked out he started practicing even more and perfecting his art and his craft and he went and hired even better musicians and a couple of years later his band got signed on and this band went on to you know be known as megadeth which was one of the quintessential heavy metal bands in the 80s and he was like known as you know one of the highest rated musicians that changed heavy metal music and guitarist and guitarist, Right. And then uh, he, there was a interview in 2003 where he, st- you know, after selling millions of albums, after performing for like fans all over the world, he said in that interview that his biggest regret still was the fact that he got kicked out of Metallica and Metallica on the other hand, went and sold like hundreds of millions of albums and was like the band for heavy metal music. It's like the number one band, you know? So that always stung him and he always compared himself or always thought of himself as the, Person that got kicked out of Metallica. And, you know, it's it's so funny. Like, if you take any musician and tell him, like, hey, would you want to be as popular as this guy, the Megadeth guy? And any musician would be like, Hell yeah, absolutely, without a doubt. And yet, here was this guy that had achieved the levels of success that any musician would be jealous enough to attain. And he was still not happy you know, it's, it's, it's this mind that fabricates and holds on to these stories, these negative stories and doesn't want to let go. I know for me, it was this whole journey last year where I, you know, I had this massive breakup and my mind just concocted this story that I will, I'm broken and I'll never be whole again. And, I will never find love again. And, uh, you know, it's like that was the love of my life and there's something wrong with me. And this, this negative story that I formed for myself that never, ever went away until I actually actively started working on all of those things and started working on self-love and self-worth and started reading all these books and doing therapy. It takes work. It takes a lot of work to get out of that negative mindset.
1: A lot of work to undo. (laughs) All the work that... So imagine the amount of time that you spent repeating those affirmations over and over and over again to basically scar your soul, right? And after scarring the hell out of your soul, then you have to do so much more work to heal it. And I think that the final steps of the the healing process is looking at, at your scars with with compassion and love and realizing that those scars where they're all along to help you grow and evolve. I think it's beautiful, the journeys that we all take. Oh, absolutely.
0: Yeah, and I mean, in, in my personal journey, I know that, that negative thinking is that, you know, is that snake in that room that Michael Asinger talks about, where you're the witness consciousness, but once you are put in that room with that snake, you get obsessed with that snake and you want to do something about that snake. And it's but it's been that undoing of not thinking about these things. Like you said, you know, it's like it's not about it's it's that scar tissue and then letting it heal, but at the same time realizing that you need to replace it with healthier, newer habits. Um I know you even read the book. I I haven't read the book, and but I know a lot of the writing that I've read is actually from the book. Um, I know some of the other writing that I read was on happiness, and um, he had some very interesting takes on happiness where he said, you know, where he talked about pleasure and happiness, how often people mistake pleasure for happiness. You know, he's like, talk to the guy that ruined his marriage because he was just seeking sexual pleasure. Or talk to the person that, you know, gambled away their savings because they were just seeking that high that they get from gambling. Or talk to the person that's addicted and they ruined their lives and the lives of their families because they were just seeking that next high and getting that pleasure. And oftentimes, we, we don't even know what happiness is. And instead of actually defining happiness, he went on to describe what makes you happy. And I like the, you know, I mean, I, I guess we, we feel when we're happy, but we don't know all the things that get us there. And I, th- I think he alludes to this in the book where he talks about the process. And we, we've done a whole podcast on this, on, uh, on, on process and falling in love with the process. And you know, he's like, you, when, when you want to be happy, it's that journey of getting there that will make you happy. For example, like if you buy a new car or get a new laptop or any shiny new object that you buy, that, that does not make you happy. But making the money to then go and buy those things, that act of getting there, the process of making that money or reaching a certain level in your career, striving to get there, that will make you happy. And then setting new goals to get to the next level, that will make you happy. Or raising a kid, that will make you happy. It's not just like having the perfect kid. No, raising the kid, doing, putting in the work to raise this human being and you know, inculcate them with all of the knowledge and wisdom that you want to impart and raise a good human being into this world that will make you happy. Of course, I don't speak from experience here, but I'm guessing that's why a lot of people have children, you know?
1: Yeah, sure. I think the absence, the opposite of love is fear, but that which is all encompassing could have no opposite. Therein lies the peace of God. That that's one of what, what reminds me of, you know, what happiness is, because there are these illusions that are constantly being projected through our minds in our daily living that keep us in that hamster wheel of thought. And anytime you're in the hamster wheel of thought, it's hard for you to to be on a journey because you're stuck. I believe that. In the journey, you don't really have that time for that hamster wheel, for the thought mechanism to to engage and go off. You get lost in doing what um, Betty Edwards would call you're engaging the right side of the brain. So in the doing, you're engaging the right side of the brain, which is intuitive. It's, it's, it's the collective mind, is that, which is in touch with source. Whenever you get that engaged, then you are you are one with God. You you are one with the cosmos. You are producing your best work. You you just are. And I think we were talking about it earlier in regards to why is it that you could validate all these things with logic, but yet that doesn't make you happy. Is because to get to those levels of love, joy, and excitement, we have to go beyond the intellect. The intellect can never describe what, it, what it's like to hug your mother, what it's like to hold your newborn. The intellect could only give you analogies to try to represent through words, through symbols, the experience of love, the experience of joy. So the experience, that is the vehicle that then guides us to the joy. It guides us in the journey of life. So I think that's where the message is. I I like the fact that he brings up all these authors and he brings up all these examples. I enjoy that. And he also talks about, like, basically our crisis is no longer material. It's existential. It's a spiritual pursuit. We, We are so lucky to have potable water. We're so lucky to have a roof over our head. A lot of us that are listening, you know, are so blessed that that our problems no longer reside within the within the basic needs. High, um, Maslow's hierarchy of needs, man. We're we're climbing up that pyramid already. We're we're so high up there that that's the beautiful work that we have ahead of us. But I think in the doing is where we engage. And we become part of source. We become inspired in spirit. The genie in us, the genius comes out.
0: Indeed. And as you were saying that the Maslow's hierarchy of needs, it made me think, you know, uh, especially in our Western world, we are, all our basic needs are taken care of. We don't need to fight for our survival anymore. Because if you look at it, we have all the amenities and comforts that we need, most of us. If, if I go to India, that's definitely not the case. If you have a guy that does not know where he's going to get his next meal from, he's not thinking about all of these things. He's not thinking about growth mindset. He's not thinking about spirituality. He's not thinking about emotional awareness or intelligence he just wants to be fed and needs to know that he has a roof over his head. But if you have all those basic needs taken care of, now it's time for you to learn to thrive. And it's interesting in, in one of his writings, I mean, in the writing on happiness where he talked about what's your definition of success? And he's like, if, you're, if you define success as watching TV for 12 hours a day. And if that's what your definition is, hey, you can do that. You're going to be fat and lonely. But if you accomplish watching 12 hours of TV a day, and that's how you define it, you can accomplish that. But he's like, if you actually want to reach that top of that pyramid in the Maslow's hierarchy, I mean, he didn't say that, but I'm thinking this is you need to start to think about success in terms of aligning your purpose with your vision and what you can attain in this lifetime or in this decade or in this year. Like for me, my biggest definition became like, set a goal so big that you, uh, there's this quote, like, set a goal so big that you end up being the person that achieves that goal. And, you know, part of that goal was creating this podcast. Part of that goal is writing a book. Part of that goal is creating online workshops and like physical in-person workshops, which eventually will happen. You know, I mean, thanks to COVID, we can't do in-person workshops right now, but that's what I'm working towards. And I know it's, I'm going to get there, but in the meantime, I'm trying to just fall in love with the process. Is the process fun? Hell no you know there there are days where i uh, you know question myself what am i doing is this even feasible is this even you know fathomable but then there are days where i'm just feeling so passionate and i just keep going at it and i i realize like it's this whole chain that the habit chain, if you keep that chain going and you don't break it, you keep doing something every day towards your goals, then eventually you will get there. And not only that, like if you keep doing it, that habit, it's just going to feed your psyche. It's going to feed your soul. It's going to feed those chemicals in your brains because I know I formed this uh, habit of writing every day and the days that I don't write, I miss it. I'm like, where is it? Or the days where I'm like meditating every day and I don't do it, I miss it. Or the days that I'm like working out every day
1: and I don't do it, I miss it. Yeah. The, to me it's the, uh, the daily doing and it comes into play as well. The, the mind needs that training it needs that daily training for your awareness to recognize what's thought and what's not and that's where that meditative practice comes in handy that two minute to five minute meditation period wakes you up to see how many thoughts go through your head and anytime i have that thought i bring back my awareness to center And that's constantly happening. And then throughout the day, then I'm able to recognize that I'm having a thought. I need to bring it back to center. And I don't get flustered about it. I just recognize it, bring it back to center, and keep moving forward. But that daily practice of becoming aware of what is thought and what's the doing, the experience, it's where I find my peace and I find my joy. Just like in art, engaging the right side of my brain, Allows me to be in this little bubble of just yumminess of of centeredness of peacefulness. That is what fills my soul, because when I'm there, I'm one with Source. When I'm there, is where my best work comes out, because it's not me; it's through me, and it's that recognition. So, anybody out there that is looking to feel better about themselves. Realize that there's self-inflicted mental processes that are running a script that is constantly affecting you. So by becoming aware that the positive mental scripts affect you negatively, and the negative mental scripts affect you negatively because they all keep you in the wanting, is that that slodgement, is that removal Is that awareness that I'm having a mental process that will bring eventually the peace, the centeredness that you've been looking for all this time. And all these great authors have the same theme. Know who you are. Know you're not that thinking mind. Know that you're beyond that. Know that you're not the body. You're more than that. You're the awareness of it all.
0: Yeah, yeah, I put together some pretty interesting quotes from his book. And I want to actually talk about the, the more you pursue getting better, the worse you become, because this keeps you in the wanting, the mind, the ego loop. If pursuing the positive is the negative, which you just talked about, then pursuing the negative becomes the positive, and it, I, I thought this was fascinating because it, it is a mind bender, you know, because he talks about like the pain you pursue in the gym provides the overall health and energy. And it's also, it's, it's like the, all, all of this is so connected, right? Because we had a whole podcast on through discipline comes freedom. And this is exactly what it is. If you have that discipline of going into the gym and pursuing a healthy body, then you are—you have the freedom of having a healthy body. You're stronger. You can do so much more, and you have health and energy and vitality. You know this. This is something that I struggled with a lot in when I was married. Um, it was communication and just opening up and being vulnerable. And showing all my insecurities because that's what you do when you're in a relationship, right? If you can't just be vulnerable and show all sides of yourself, then what are you doing with that person anyway? And he talks about like if when you open up with your insecurities, it makes you more confident and more charismatic. And I find myself in that position now because I don't know about the Charismatic part, but I, I definitely feel a lot more confident because I openly talk about my trials and tribulations that I've been through. Because I'm not shy about it, it's it's made me the person who I am today. Been through that hero, hero's journey where I've been through hell and I clawed my way out of the trenches, and I've accumulated all these tools and all this knowledge and all this, um, you know, all this grit and determination to keep moving forward. And not only that, to share my experience with others, where I feel like I can't do it without being, you know, vulnerable and open and honest.
1: Yeah, Debbie Fords we just did her um, the, the, the Dark Side of the Light Chasers. That's basically you're being open with your insecurities is acknowledging all those inner shadows that are playing that script by being open with them means to express them, to show them, to be comfortable with them. That's what creates the the charisma. That's what creates the confidence is is that shadow work. So he even touches on shadow work, which I, I really enjoy. I don't know if he went in depth with it as... Debbie Ford did a whole book and lecture series based on that. But to me, that's what being open with your insecurities means. I I look into the mirror and I repeat that shadow over and over again until all that discharge has been released. So the negative, pursuing the negative becomes the positive, is looking into doing shadow work. (laughs) Yeah, that's
0: actually a great way of putting it. I didn't even think of that. That's true. Because the more you embrace your shadow, the less you are afraid of it or the less
1: power it has over you. Or or the less it reflects on the other person that's across from you. So just ha- as the black lady all of a sudden was in love with her and felt really good about her because she had done the the shadow work, that's where the charisma opens up. So there you could see how you're... Your hang-ups, your shadow work is so important because once you then become this clear vessel, then people could see themselves through it. And that, that is when people fall in love with you because they see themselves through you.
0: All of this work is so fascinating because the more you get into it, the more you start understanding yourself, and the more you start understanding your shadow, the more you start enforcing you know, positive behavior or, um, you know, it's it's not even positive behavior. It's basically enforcing good habits that basically push you forward. Uh, you know, that caveman brain that we have, we need to like I don't even have words for it right now. <laughs> you know, it's like we, we need to shape that caveman brain because if left to its own devices, it will regress into that reptilian state and it's not going to bring you any happiness or joy or, um, you know, fulfillment in your life. So unfortunately for us to deviate away from our Caveman tendencies, where all we want to do is pursue pleasure and run away from pain, is to embrace pain, is to embrace our shadows, is to embrace all the things that make us feel uncomfortable so we can grow and evolve and thrive as individuals and be part of a society that can eventually
1: thrive as well. I want to say that we together we will transcend beyond these limitations with love from grace because that's, that's our inheritance. It's, we're meant for greatness. We're meant to overcome. We're meant to evolve beyond this physical body. And nobody is going to skip death in this lifetime. It's going to happen. So whether... I, I really like the um, parable that of the uh, the farmer. And basically, uh, this is a Bible analogy that always resonated with me because it made no sense for the longest time. Basically, there's these, there's these farmers that's, that hires a few hands to help them harvest the fields. And there are many, many workers working the fields. And the wagers were, I forget, let let me say like ten shillings. So I'm I'm making up numbers here. And there's more people that come through and it's noon and and basically there's like a couple of hours before sunset and everybody's still working and a couple of other hands come by and they were working as well. So everybody's done for the night and they come over around the table to collect their, their shillings and the first guy that lines up real quick he's expecting his full 10 shillings and he gets them and he's very happy about it and as time goes everybody's getting their money and eventually those two guys that came at the very end they get 10 shillings and everybody's looking at like how did this person get the chillings? why is he getting 10 shillings when we worked all day and that reminds me of like whether you start doing the work when you're a teenager when you're a kid Or you wait till your last breath here on earth and you get there. You will get those 10 shillings. So I, I want you guys to, once again, not focus on the work, not focus on trying to be this spiritual, amazing human being. The fact that you're interested in the stuff that we're talking about means that you're there. My whole prayer for you all out there is to... Allow source, allow spirit to work through you because there's nothing that you have to do. You're already there. You're already perfect and holy. It's for you to recognize that grace, that holiness within you and have compassion for those internal mechanisms that you have inherited from your family, that you've inherited from your generations so that you could overcome those. So that through that pain, through those scars, through that suffering, you will evolve into this beautiful being that will be a blessing not only to the people around you, for, but for generations to come. So I urge you to play well, play nice with yourself. Be your own best friend. You are, you are the most beautiful, talented, amazing creation that is here on earth to create and co-create with us. And if you just believe it and if you just let it go and you surrender it, and you, like Michael A. Singer says, if if you just lean away from that heart that's achy or that mind that's pissed off, if you just lean away and relax those shoulders, all those faculties and all that inheritance that you are will come and it will shine so bright that it will not only be a blessing to you, it will be a blessing to your family, to your coworkers, to everybody that's seeing that, that, that energy coming through you. So all this work is just basically a dissolvement of an illusion that we've created thus far. And thus far, I'm extremely excited for the future ahead, and I'm so grateful for you guys embarking on this journey with us. And just to, just to say it again and again and again, please write something to us. Let us know how you're doing Put a comment out there on our Instagram page, on our YouTube, on our uh, Facebook page. And just know that Bodhi and I are doing this from love to love for love. And we're embarking on this journey as a journey because this is the journey that brings us joy. And we want you to embark on this journey with us. So until next time, this is the Emotional Compass and I'm Bodhi. And Abiel.